Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And today we're recording a very special episode about the new Buffyverse novel, Slayer, written by our very own Scooby. Kirsten White. Hey, I was, I was going to be like our very own special musical number episode, right? We're all singing? <laughs> yes, we're singing the um, entire episode. <laughs> surprise to our special guests. Um, we have two amazing young adult authors with us today. We have Caleb Rorick, whose upcoming novel, Death Prefers Blonde, is going to be your favorite April being honest um it's about a team of international art themes who are also drag queens like what is not to like nothing (laughs) nothing is not to like um and then the glorious zoraida cordova author of labyrinth lost um she writes the most amazing sister bond magic infused incredible fantasy so she's also gonna be your favorite congratulations i'm so excited for you thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having us Yes, my pleasure. Kirsten, I can't wait till I have a book out and you can introduce me with this fabulous introduction you just did. I know, I can't wait till you have a book out either. Uh, Okay, Kirsten, would you like to tell us how Slayer came together and came about? Uh, It turns out that it pays to be a nerd. Um, (laughs) Only sometimes. Most of the time it just costs us, right? Uh, But it was a few years ago and I was at Comic-Con and I was wearing a Sunnydale high school t-shirt because of course I was. I also was wearing it at the park once and some dude's like, are you a teacher? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, you have a high school shirt on. I was like, oh, well, let me, let me tell you about our Lord and Savior, Buffy Summers. Um, and so I met uh, my friend's editor, Lisa Abrams, who's with Simon & Schuster. And she was like, oh, you like Buffy? And I was like, yes, I love Buffy. And that was that. And then a few years later, out of the blue, I got an email that she had the rights to a new um, – YA Buffyverse book and I was the first person she thought of and she knew I was probably too busy but did I want it and I wanted it a lot um <laughs> like I full-on screamed um and this is the, the I genuinely feel bad because I feel like this is one of the very few properties where every single YA author ever was like that little tramp um, <laughs> took Buffy, so none of us could get it heard Kirsten I remember before we knew each other like I had a Facebook post I was like I don't know Kirsten White but I'm so jealous of her right now (laughs) when it was like announced and like like, that isn't even me being like oh I feel so bad like I really do feel bad Um, (laughs) I got it and I wasn't going to give anybody else a shot at it so yeah so I immediately was like yes I want to write it and it was really fun because it was a project where they were like we want a new Slayer um, it can be one of the season seven slayers, but we'd actually prefer it not to be. And it was incredibly open-ended. Really, all it was was we want a new slayer. The book takes place after season seven. And so, um, so yeah, like I got to make a new slayer, which was pretty surreal. Um, the only downside was like every name was taken. I kept being like, oh, I'm going to name her this. And then I'd search the Buffy wiki and it would be like some random reference in like season four, episode 17. And <laughs> oh, I'm like, yeah. dang it, that name's taken too. Um, so it was difficult to come up with names. But yeah, like, and it was really fun too because I thought they were going to be, um, I knew immediately I wanted to set it among the Watchers because Watchers, I felt like, did you guys, I was really into the Watchers in the show, but they're not actually a very big part. Right, yeah. Right. Um, like yeah. the Watcher mythology and like their society and the way it's structured, like it's referenced, but you don't ever really see it. Um, this might be, you know, just latent crush on Giles where I was like, <laughs> I'm really into Watcher society. Um, but I was like, I want to do Watchers. I don't know if they're going to give it to me and they approved it. So um, Slayer is actually set in the Watcher society or what's left of it after the events of season seven work. You know, most of them get blown up as happens. Uh And uh, um, Nina was raised as a watcher. So when she realizes that she's become a slayer, it's like it's like even worse than it normally is because she kind of hates slayers because watchers are not super nice to them. And her father was Buffy's first watcher who got killed because of her. So she's got some baggage. That detail like ruined me (laughs) when I was reading the book. I was like, I, I read this book and like, what's a state when you're just like, I was like in a trance, like nobody bother me while I, I have nobody to bother me. I live by myself. Oh, no, my brother lives with me, but, but he won't bother me. I love it. Like I live by myself. All oh, right. My brother lives with me. <laughs> um, and like, oh, and when that detail popped up, I was like, first of all, I started reliving that movie, which, you know, 
<laughs> not a great movie. But but I you completely forget about it because I feel like you did you did a justice to to that to that that watcher mythology that I had no idea even existed. I I agree. I actually that was one of my favorite things about the book is that it it really digs into the watcher society, which you know in the, in the show they start as this kind of like shadowy benevolent organization, and then they end as this shadowy kind of malevolent organization. So it was really interesting to sort of you put a human face on them and really mm-hmm. kind of I don't know like pulled back the the veil on what <laughs> who and what they really are. I thought it was really cool. I'm oh, very inspired. You. Yeah, I actually, so I didn't use the movie. There's actually a graphic novel that they sort of retconned um, to cover the events of the movie, but also bring it in line with the actual TV series. Because, um, you know, in the TV series, you know that Buffy had a watcher first who died, but, right. mm-hmm. and that something bad happened. And that's really all they ever talk about it. And so there's actually yeah. a graphic novel um I don't even know if you can buy anymore. I got it at the library. Yay, libraries. Um, <laughs> that covers sort of Buffy's first experiences when she finds out she's a slayer and then um, this watcher dying. So, um, so I was like, it's canon officially. I can use it. <laughs> I was like, I was like rooting around in Buffy mythology, like just this little greedy, like, like I was rumbling around in somebody's attic, finding the little treasures that I could use. It was great. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. And, and like, it was kind of fun for me too, because I love Buffy so much. So it was a little bit subversive for me to take the point of view of somebody who resents her and who views her actions as like incredibly selfish and messing everything up all the time. Um, so it was a little bit funny to to get to write that when I'm like, Buffy Summers, I love you so much. <laughs> Buffy was so selfish. Um yeah, it was it was really fun. And it was fun to kind of get to make up a lot of what they would do. Like, I'm like, well, what kind of traditions would this society have? Like, what would they value? What would be important to them? What would it be like growing up there? Um, but I will tell you the number one thing I hate about the Watchers that that made me realize, like, this is not a good group. Okay, so when Faith comes to Sunnydale, she's, like, living in this crappy motel and, like, struggling and, like, <laughs> has no money or food. And then you find out the Watchers have, like, Bank, private cars yeah. and private jets yes. and all these, all this weaponry and like this whole militia they can deploy. And you're like, uh, you guys have funds. Like <laughs> your entire existence revolves around supporting Slayers. Why do the Slayers not have a living stipend? Right. That's oh yeah. Um, yeah. Season six, Buffy could have used that. Yeah. Right. Totally could have used that. And granted, like at that point, she had broken with the right, watcher, right, so you right. could see why they'd be like, "Well, we're not going to pay you. You're not working with us anymore." But like, Faith hadn't broken with them yet, and like, who was supporting her? No wonder she liked the mayor so much. Anyway, right? Because he gave her a PlayStation and yeah, a bed exactly. in that exactly. cool apartment. Exactly. That apartment was that apartment he, was awesome. And he wouldn't even like, let her make a sex joke about it. He didn't even like right. That. <laughs> was inappropriate. See, if the watchers had sprung for giving Faith a decent apartment, she might never have gone bad. So, and, and welcome to Kirsten's TED Talk. <laughs> I have such a yes. That's what my whole platform. Every time Ian knows, every time they're like, "Who do you ship Buffy with?" and I'm like, "Long-term financial stability." Um, it just stresses me out so much. I don't want her to have to work. Anyway, I wanted to ask you, Kirsten, about referencing the movie. Was there anything like you could and couldn't do with that, or like they, did they kind of just like allow you to? Because like you said on the show, they reference it, but like not quite. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and I made I made actual like this is what happened. Um, so since I use the comics and the comics are technically canon, yeah, that's everything that I reference is actually from the comics, uh-huh. and it lines up pretty evenly with the movie, but not quite. Like the movie made the Watcher some he was like some sort of immortal guy that just sort of resets every time he dies or something. Uh, I'm not really sure. It's been a while since um, I've seen the movie. It's been a very long time since <laughs> yeah. I've seen the movie as well. Um. And so, so everything I took, I took from the comics. And this was actually one of the really challenging things is because um, they were, they didn't seem um, too stressed out about canon, but I was. Yeah. I was like, I am <laughs> not messing canon up. Like, I wanted everything in my story to make sure that it aligned with everything that's considered a canon so that it didn't contradict. And so I took stuff from the comics the comic prequels to the series and then um the book actually takes place after after the events of season seven of the television series and then season eight of the graphic novel series which is 
bonkers. Yes. Um, <laughs> nobody turns into a centaur in my book. Um, oh. Bro. I've never gotten over bro, a centaur bro. dawn. Okay, well, spoiler alert. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> now everybody's like, I should read the comics. So, they get better. I will. That's always my defense is that the comics do get better. I actually don't remember if I went after season eight, though. Because I, I think I did. I just have this, like, awful memory of, like, the moment, that awful moment in season eight. Yes. When the bad thing happens. Yes, we know and, what you're talking about. And I I just remember throwing this comic volume across the room and going, how could you do this? And then I never recovered. So I don't know yeah. if you went... Is there, how many more are there past that? Oh, I think they're in like season 12 now. Wait, hold on. Um, I have the graphic novel sitting right here. I can tell you what number it is. Ian knows. Oh God, it doesn't. Oh, the last season I forgot. It's just called Reckoning, but they Mm -hmm. ended it. I I think it's like 12 or 13. Yeah. I I will say season eight, I felt like was, we don't have a special effects budget anymore. Let's do whatever we want. Yeah. Right. And then season nine pulled it way back and made it much more like personal stories again, like very Buffy. Center, because that was my main thing with season eight. Is I felt like they were telling such like gigantic stories that you sort of lost Buffy in them, and then season nine brings it back to her, which I which I really liked because you know it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So um, so yeah, they're definitely like I I feel like they're definitely worth checking out. Um, They're really fun. They are really yeah. And one thing that I really appreciated that season eight did is at the end of season eight. Buffy destroys the seed of wonder and ends magic on earth, which I was so grateful for because let's talk about <laughs> magic systems. <laughs> it made my life so much simpler writing this book that I didn't have to deal with um, the magic systems because if you're a writer and you're writing a novel, there are some rules. If you have magic in your, in your novel, it has to be a closed system. There have to be rules. There have to be consequences. And I feel like magic has to cost more than it gives you because otherwise everyone would use it, right? Um, and Zoraida, I wanted, you to, I wanted to ask you because you have such a cool, like, you have such a cool atmosphere and magic system in your Labyrinth Lost series. Like, let's talk about magic systems. I want to hear your opinion on how you develop a good magic system when you're world building. So thank you, first of all. Um, uh, I... I approach magic in a very literal sense of um, you don't get anything for free, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. uh, magic always comes with a price. I just binge watched uh, Once Upon a Time, so I have that that line stuck in my head, like magic comes with a price. <laughs> um, and so when I was writing Labyrinth Lost, one of the first things that I thought of was how, where is my magic coming from? Um, so my brujas, brujas is the Spanish word for witch. <laughs> my, brujas, <laughs> my brujas, they, their magic comes from a lot of different things. So, uh, colonization, slavery, the Spanish, uh, and like, it, it's a mix of all of that. So I, I, I figured out who, who my witches are, who their gods are and where their magic comes from. And so the magic comes from these roots that are, they're elemental, but they're not like fire, earth, wind, water. Mm -hmm. They're personifications of things like that. And so when you harness some sort of power and you're, you're asking these fantastical uh, beings to give you power, you have to have a very physical kickback, like with a gun, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, if you har- if you harness the power of water, then your recoil is going to be uh, your lungs fill up with water, or you can't breathe because you feel like you're drowning. So it has to be the the effect coincides with whatever element you're you're using. But I don't specifically use elements. But there are a lot of authors and a lot of people who create magical systems who go to these elemental properties. Because those are the things that the earth is made up of, right? Mm-hmm. And so you go to the things like, what is creation? And when you ask yourself, like, what wh- what makes up people? What makes up the earth? What makes up uh, space? You know, you go back to all of these things and you pull from that. So I... I don't know if I answered the question. You did because you just explained there's a reason behind every choice that you made. It's all rooted in something and it's bound. Everything is bound to 
each other, basically, right? There's consequences for every action, like everything comes at a price. And there's a whole, there's a system. So the system has boundaries and the system has rules. Um, that is not the case in <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I totally get it. Like, they were telling very big stories and they were telling a lot of stories. And so it's kind of, it's the same thing with their demonology. When I set out to write this book, I'm like, okay, I'm going to study the specific, like, demonology of the Buffy series. Oh, there isn't any. Um, because it's like sometimes they come from other dimensions. Sometimes they're on Earth and they've always been on Earth. Sometimes they come through portals. Sometimes they were infected by a demon who can't come here. And like it just, it's portals, really whatever worked. Portals really bother me. And I, I love portal fantasy. I love, and, and Labyrinth Lost is a portal fantasy. Kirsten, <laughs> you did a really good job in Slayer of telling me about Dahafrin. I was like, Kirsten just explained Dahafrin more than they ever did in the sh- entire run of the show. I know! <laughs> In like a throwaway line. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. one thing. That was one thing that that bothered me about Buffy the Vampire. Like when when they kind of they figured out, uh, you know, they Anya loses her powers because she teleports without filing a, a flight plan. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Since what? when are there rules? Since when are Since there, when there are rules? rules? Yeah, yeah, there are only rules when they're needed there to be rules, so there would be consequences, right? Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> how Buffy is shaped in the TV show is magic exists and anyone can use it. So mm-hmm. if I read from this incantation, right, then yeah. I don't have to be a magical person to make this come alive. It just does, which is why how Xander always ends up with like hot girls. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise I have no idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's a, it's a very chaotic sort of, system within the show and it works within the show because yes. it's like what works for this episode what's the story we're telling with this episode okay this is the element that we'll use and it totally works in a tv show and you can get away with it yeah. because you don't have to explain it you can just show it on screen and it looks cool let's move on to the next episode or the next scene or whatever um, but you can't do that in a book yeah. you have to explain things and you you're in the character's head so you have to work through them and so I was really, really grateful that I got to set this after season eight. So I could just be like, well, magic's dead now. So that's <laughs> off the table. Um, oh, darn. Earth is cut off from every demon dimension. So don't have to deal with those. Um, and it also, I sort of liked the idea that, that everything is once again in, in turmoil. You've got all of these slayers, but now there aren't going to be any more because magic is dead. And you've got all of these demons that were visiting Earth or vacationing or stranded here, and now they can never leave. And so Earth has sort of become this... Refugee state? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I get I get into that a lot more in book two, um, which I am currently editing, and it's killing me. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it is, it's, it's really interesting when you're writing a book off of a property that told stories visually... Um, trying to adapt it and keep that same sensibility. But what works on a TV show is right. not what works in a book. So it was a, it was definitely yes. more of a challenge than I thought it was going to be, which maybe I'm just like arrogant. And I'm like, this will be easy. It was not easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, and one of the things that I love, obviously, that we all love about Buffy is sort of that the, the tone of the show and the way that it balances humor and horror and the way that it parallels sort of the inner life of the teenage girl with like hell. <laughs> and Kirsten, once again, not to like flatter, not to flatter you too much, but I thought you did like a really good job. This was clearly also written with love of the show, like reading mm-hmm. it. There you were parts, yeah, mm-hmm. like it was just like yeah. oh, like you know, you have like the Wyndham, the like Wyndham Price family, and like oh my, you know, like okay. mentioning to Huffrin and like the stuff like that. Where it's like, oh, like, I'm biased because I'm friends with you and, like, you've been on the podcast. But I'm like, clearly the person writing this is having fun and loves this show. But also, yeah. not only do you just have characters from them, but, like, Nina's voice often reminded me of, like, what we love about a Slayer. And I feel like people would always compare Buffy's banter to, like, Spider-Man or something like that. And it is very, like, quick-witted comic book that I love. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It really, it felt so authentic to the series. And not just because you really did your research. It was so very much the kind of, you know, like that first season Buffy when you're watching and you really start to realize that 
you know, I had so many friends. I watched it in real time. I had many mm-hmm. friends who refused refused to give it a chance just because it was called right. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it was all of these you know, like very a very over the top concept. But they really humanized it. Like they yeah. really made they really the the emotional impact and the psychological impact of what she's doing takes a toll on her. And I feel like yeah. you really put that into this book. Yeah, and that was so important to me. Buffy is not my main character. Um, I couldn't use any of the main characters from the show because, according to canon, they were all all flung across the globe doing wacky things in the comic books. And so I had to figure out a way to have Buffy feel like she was a part of the book, even though she's not physically there for most of it. And then also make it feel like, even though this is not the same characters, to make it feel like Buffy. And so that was, for me, tone like getting the tone right was the most important thing. Which Buffy was probably the biggest thing that shaped me as a storyteller. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I, like you, I watched it as a teenager and it was like a revelation to me that it was funny and like I wanted to be friends with all of them. And it was this teenage girl who, yes, fought vampires and prevented the apocalypse, but also like it treated her relationships with boyfriends and friends and her mother as just as important as all the rest of that, which I had never felt validated by television shows before that. Like, it was yeah. like, oh, this show cares about teenage girls. Like, wow, yeah, yeah. what show does that? Even now, what show does that? Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, so like that, that, that balance, I feel like was the most important thing for me to get right, and I really hope that I did. Like, it was. Yeah, um, as a, as a Buffy scholar, I, I feel like I'm allowed to say <laughs> you did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, but let's talk about. So one of the things that I love the most about Buffy that everybody loves the most about Buffy is the Scooby gang and like that group (laughs) dynamic and the way everybody um, bounces off each other, both for good and for bad. And like, that was hard for me because I don't typically write with large, very active casts. Yeah. And Caleb, you do like in death prefers blonde, (laughs) you have this whole like drag queen theft team and (laughs) the group dynamic was so good how did you like honestly how did you do that because like i felt like i had to work so hard at it and it felt so seamless in death prefers blondes oh gosh well i really appreciate that because it it, it was it was not easy um (laughs) i originally wrote it as a really terrible screenplay um really yeah the whole idea i initially envisioned it as like i was i was gonna write the new it was like I was inspired by Charlie's Angels 2000, um, and I was going to write, like, the yes. new Mick G, kind of, like, yeah. <laughs> oh. And, yeah, and so I wrote this really, like, bright, candy-colored sort of pop noir world with these drag queens, and and then sat untouched for, for a very long time. And then I was like, oh, I love that idea. It was such a great story idea. And I'm just going to, I'll just pull that out, dust it off, and write it up and then I started reading it and I was like this is actually really bad (laughs) all of it it was just really terribly done the story is still the same but I really went in and and I realized I was like I had to give a lot more backstory to the secondary characters Mm -hmm. and part of it I really wanted to explore the um, phenomenon of found family in the queer community because Mm -hmm. it's such a big deal so it I really wanted to focus on bringing them together, like making them all real people and bringing them together as a unit um, and giving each one a separate motivation, but then sort of a collective, uh, I don't know, like a a cohesiveness um, Mm -hmm. to to tie them all together. So a lot of it really, it's like finding that balance, it is difficult because you've got to make, each character has to have a very specific, distinct voice and um, they have to have their own rich inner life. And then you've got to figure out a way to orchestrate them together so that those separate motivations come together to form a team. And I think you really pulled that off with Layer because you really do have these characters who who are very distinct. You really pulled these people together who have their own unique points of view uh, and and made them a team. And I think it was so cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love what you said about found family because I feel like Buffy has that so much too. Like Willow's parents are very disconnected. Joyce, as much as I love her tended not to notice what was going on in Buffy's life. And so, you know, Giles and the Scooby gang, they became what the other people needed. And like, and I tried to, I tried to hold that very much as I was um, writing this cast, like, who are these people? How would being raised in a society that prizes only certain things um, impact them? And then they're on their own. Like most of the watchers are dead. These ones are in hiding. So they're really all they have, which would make you very close, but also be super stressful um, I will tell you guys, there is an entire version 
of this book that okay. I wrote first. What? That's totally oh, really? different. Yes. Oh, okay. What is it? Oh, well, it's a disaster. Is, um, is everyone dead? Because I really, I kept waiting and, boy, there's a scene where Leo laughs and you describe his laugh and I was like, this is a trick. He's dead. This is a trick. And someone's <laughs> killed him. And I don't know why that's where my brain went. That's so well, funny. Well, it's probably because you're used to, like, Kristen being, like, a tricksy writer. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, no, so this, so the first version of the book, you guys, it was one of those things where, like, I don't know what happened. So I had written my had written my pitch and my proposal for what the book was going to be, mm-hmm. which is the book that you've all read, that Slayer. And for whatever reason, when I sat down to write it, I just wrote a totally different book than the one that I had <laughs> pitched to them. Um, in that one, instead of twins, it's triplets. They have a brother named what? Apollo. Yeah. Whoa. And okay. a lot of the like family tension comes from Nina feeling like Artemis and Apollo are the capable ones and they're always off together. Um, there, nothing happens in the entire book. Like one of the, <laughs> one of the big set pieces that I use. A risky yes, this choice. is so embarrassing to admit. Um, oh God, I, I was it. really stressed out when I wrote that first version. Like my brain just wasn't on. And one of the things I was doing at the time was watching a lot of American Ninja Warrior <laughs> with my kids. And so there's, like, I'm not kidding, there's two full chapters of them going to a ninja gym. <laughs> and Nina, like, going around on it and being I love super it. happy. I love it. And, like, you guys, it was so bad. It was so bad. Like, And I can talk about it now because I have enough space. Um, but I submitted that to my editors. Bless them forever. They are so kind. They wrote back, and the editorial letter really tried, but it was like, <laughs> um, the gist of it was basically like, we're not quite sure why you made these choices uh, <laughs> oh. and why this is not the book that you told us you were going to write, but <laughs> oh, no. we can try to work with this. And I wrote back, and I was like, uh, I'm just going to write a new book. It's fine. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. Kirsten, your writing is bananas. You, I can't believe you wrote a full other yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I wrote four books last year, and one of them was Slayer Twice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This makes me really happy that for three Buffy fans, this book works, because I worked for this book. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was one of those things where I didn't realize how it was going to feel emotionally to try and write a book in a world that means so much to me. And honestly... I think I just choked on that first draft. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to do this. And like, I panic wrote a draft and it was terrible. And fortunately <laughs> I turned it in early. And so I was like, it's cool guys. I'm just going to write a different book. And um, that one worked. I decided not to try that method with book two. I decided to just write the first, the, the right book on the first try. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a little bit less work. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Um, terrible times. Um, really bad times. That's funny because I I think I remember you tweeting something like that, and I assumed that you were like, you know, using like an exaggeration to say, I, oh, oh right, an entirely yeah. new book. No, literally wrote an entire book <laughs> of Slayer that will never see the light of day. Thank goodness, because you are a wow, <laughs> wow. That that American Ninja gym scene was. And then she runs up the warped wall, you guys. It was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> but I'm sure she had a great oh time, gosh. you know? One of the things that I really love that you addressed was when the Slayer has to do her challenge where they suppress her power. Yes. Oh. Um, because I feel like that's one of my favorite episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You realize that Giles is also being tested, not just Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he should have known that, right? Like, Yeah. That, that's the thing that I always question is like he should have known that he was being tested so why did he help um, and the answer is because he loves her so much mm. and she's like yeah. mm-hmm. right but then mm-hmm. when, you, when you brought it like they never really talk about it like Faith didn't have to go through that these new slayers don't have to go through that so they say that Nina won't have to go through it is because she's already a watcher but it's also like why would you put her through this institution that all these other girls haven't been able to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that was, and and I feel like that happens so often in, even in communities, like you do these things because they've always been done. Right. And so you get it in your head that it has to be done that way. Um, And I love, 
like I love secret societies. I love organizations that like yeah. have these like centuries of like tradition and weight because so much of it is absurd. And if they <laughs> stopped to look at the absurdity of it, they would realize. Um, but they never stop to look at it. But like, and how could they possibly? To look at it, yeah. 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 If you <laughs> yeah. tell them to look at it, they'll get mad at you. And so, um, so yeah, it was so fun getting to sort of like explore all of these things that Buffy went through from the other side. Um, and yeah. for Nina to panic and be like, oh no, I know how they treat slayers. I don't want any of that. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just, and it was so fun getting to pull like, because it was really important to me that this book would be accessible if people haven't watched Buffy, mm -hmm. um, that it's still just like a fun paranormal adventure that they can enjoy it. But it was really important to me that diehard Buffy fans like us are going to see these details and see these things come into play that, that we know and that we've seen before. So, um, yeah, it was super fun. Speaking of things that have already come into play, I wanted to talk about the Wyndham prices. For whatever yeah. <laughs> we can talk about without spoiling anything. Um, yes. One, I wanted to say, what what made you decide not to have the dad, since he's the one that we kind of kind of already had met. Mm -hmm. Like, what was was there like a was that a choice because we had because like you know we see him in Angel, but then it's not really him, but it's still basically him. Like that's how he is. Mm -hmm. Did you not want to include him because he was a character we had kind of already seen on screen? Yeah. I mean, that was that was a big part of it. Also, I assumed that he had gotten blown up because everybody <laughs> important got blown up. I was and wondering then, if there was that was I was like, did I miss that in the comics? Because like that could have been in the comics that like they reference him being dead. I, I'm not sure if they ever do or, or not. not. But mostly and honestly, this is just like purely um, a technical thing that I do is I try to make sure that at least 50 percent of my supporting cast is women. Um, because there's a tendency to, even if you have girl main characters to make your supporting cast, mostly male, um, and you see it across the board, uh, like look at frozen where the two main characters, like it's a story about sisters and about sisterly love. And the two main characters are women, but there are only two other female characters in the entire thing. There's a female trail troll that has a speaking part. And then I think there's like a nurse-ish character, but I don't know that she ever talks. And the, the mother, who also doesn't talk. And so you have mm. a story that's about two women, but every other important character, right down to like the animal sidekick and the snowman, are male. And that's a that's something that I'm that I try to be very aware of as a storyteller that I don't mm. default into that. Yeah. And so um, I do imagine that the Watcher Society was a fairly patriarchal society, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the way they run. Yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. like dudes. Um, and so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, fair. dudes, you no guys fair. don't count. Um, and uh, okay. so I wanted to say, like, the only people who would have survived would be the people that they considered less important who would have been women or yeah. old people. And so that's why the existing watchers, the older watchers, are mostly women. Because, uh, yeah, that's just, that's always a priority for me in storytelling is to make sure that that my world reflects my, my fictional worlds reflect my real world experience, which means that, you know, there are at least 50% women and women are important and there are queer characters and those queer characters are important and have like full, happy lives. Oh my God. I, can we talk you know, about the queer characters? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I love Yay. Cillian. He makes me very happy. <laughs> I love him so much. And I loved, I, I loved even more that, you know, one of the queer characters was like, just like, quote unquote the like regular human, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I like that because it still makes him from I mean, of course I'm biased, um, but for me then it makes me immediately more interested in him. Cause it's like, oh, like he's a human that lives near all this like well not a memoir because magic's dead, but like he lives near the supernatural stuff, but like but he's also like queer, you know? And like yeah. we learned that yeah. his mother was yeah. into magic and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I I really liked that you know what I loved? Because because Buffy was so groundbreaking in its portrayal of, of Willow and of queer relationships yeah. on screen. Um, and it was really important to me that, you know, that remain an element. And I love my editor, Lisa Abrams, at Simon, because I full on asked her, I'm like, how many queer characters could she have? And she's like, I don't know, as many as you want. You know, if your entire cast is, they're going to be like, well, would everybody be? And you're like, yes, everyone would be. Um, <laughs> but but I just loved that, like, they, they didn't, you know, there wasn't... Because I will get sometimes get asked because my other series um, has has a, a gaming character, and I'll get asked if there was any pushback, and I've never experienced any pushback in publishing. Um, they've they've just just never even been an issue, and it wasn't an issue at all with this book. It was just like, yep, yeah. um, and that was important to me because you know that's 
I feel like that is a demographic that Buffy has meant so much to. Um, But it didn't it didn't do great in some areas of representation. Like the only the only gay man that it had um, was that that awesome was his name Ox. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Um, in high school, he was the bully, Wait, and then Larry. he yeah. came out to Xander. Yeah. Larry. Larry, yeah. Yes, yeah. and he was so adorable, and then he just dies yeah. on graduation day. Yeah. And I hate that. And then oh, um, and then Andrew, who was kind of played as, you know, a punchline. Um, his his queerness was very much like, a, I felt like it was a punchline. Um, and so I, part of what I wanted to do was build on the amazing representation. Did. Hmm? Did they did they establish Andrew's queerness on the show? No, I don't think they but, ever outright did. I think it was like I, a, I think it was like a wink. I, yeah, I felt like it was hinted at, and then was it was it an angel where he, they where yes. he comes back and he's like dancing with girls at a club or something? I don't. It was a it was a yeah anyway, yeah because they were looking for <laughs> Buffy with the immortal. Um, yeah. yeah. So they never they never they never I think fully do. And so, so part of what I wanted to do was, you know, build on, build on the foundation, but also, um, try and, you know, have a little bit better representation too. So, um, yeah, I love Killian. He's my favorite. He's very important in book two. So anyway, um, <laughs> Good no, time. I actually, and I wanted to say that, that, that when you talk about, um, making sure that you have, a strong supporting cast of women, something that, you know, that on Buffy and on Angel, they were really big into these sort of like bad or absent father figures and everybody mm-hmm. had all these daddy issues. And I really liked that in in Slayer, you really focus a lot on, um, you know, it's like Nina and Artemis, their relationship with their mother. Mm-hmm. And then there are all the women who are here now running the show uh, in the Watchers world. And there's so much more focus on that side of things, which I mean, it's like, it's Buffy the Vampire, you know, it's about this girl who kicks ass and is yeah. a big part of this world. And it's so nice to see, um, it was nice to see so much focus on their relationship, relationships between the women and on women with authority uh, and and sort of exploring this void left by the patriarchy that got blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, I feel like mother-daughter drama, man. It's like, if you've been a teenage girl, <laughs> like, and maybe it was just my family. Like, my dad was a nurturer. Um, I had a very, I had a very stable relationship with my dad, but my my relationship with my mom was very much more fraught. Um, it's not anymore. She's amazing. Um, she's a therapist. She can't read my books because she's like, <laughs> oh. You write disordered thought processes really well, sweetheart. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> but like, but I feel like. I feel like relationships, and I and I love I love sister relationships. I love mother daughter relationships. I love um, friend relationships or even competitive relationships between women because I feel like they're so dynamic and they're they're generally less explored in a lot of popular fiction. Um, which is one of the things that I love so much about Buffy is it did center around her and she had strong female friendships that mattered and that weren't based in like competition or talking about boys or or whatever. You you, you saw very real depictions of female friendships. Um, and even when so her yeah. and Cordelia were competitive, they yeah. still at the end of the day were friends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love Cordelia. Like in oh that gosh. scene from the episode you just mentioned, Zoraida, like in Helpless, when Cordelia uh-huh. walks in the library. I, I love that scene. I always think of that as like a really good Cordelia moment where she's like joking and Buffy's like clearly upset and just is like, can you drive me home? They like come have come off from like arguing at homecoming and Cordelia's immediately like, of course. Yeah. And yeah. Drives her home. Yep, that's, yeah. There's the thing is like, I don't like you. I will tease you, but if you actually need help, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like I read yeah. a, I read an, I read it was just some some notes on somebody's Twitter, and they were like, "Look, everybody was mean to me in high school. There was a girl who was absolutely cruel to me, but one day I stood up, and my tampon had leaked, and I had blood on my jeans, and without saying a word, she handed me her sweatshirt to wrap around my waist because right. you do that, like, yeah, we get it." Like, yeah. we're going to be there for each other. We might not like each other. We might go back to being mean to each other the next day. But, like, yeah. And, like, and I feel like Buffy did such a good job of capturing that. So, yeah. it, you know, it was it was important to me to get that right as well. Okay, but since we're talking about episodes, 
they used to do this thing where they would novelize certain episodes, which I kind of love. Um, Mm -hmm. And in a way, I think it would be really fun to do because you would get to take everything that's on screen and like delve deeper because obviously an episode is not going to be as long as a book. So if you guys could novelize one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which episode would you pick? Oh, my God. I've been thinking, I've actually like been trying to think about this this week since you said we were going to do this. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I have like an obvious answer, but mm-hmm. that doesn't translate because one of my absolutely favorite episodes is Once More with Feeling. And yeah. But you can't translate that. You can't translate that. Yeah. No, that works because <laughs> of the medium. It works because of the medium. How? Okay. So Uh-oh. the actual one, I think it would be. Um, the scene, the 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 season finale of season two where Buffy kills Angel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and that one has one of my favorite scenes when Buffy confronts her mom. Oh, yeah, and it's oh, like, yeah. how did you not see this? You had to have seen this, but you chose not to. Yes. Like, because as a teenager, I was like, yes, and as a mother, I was like, oh, you know, like <laughs> it's hit me different every time that I've watched it. Because it's just like Joyce in her own little world, like yeah. It's kind of like in in fantasy novels where you're always like humans don't want to see magic, so they just like rationalize what they're mm-hmm. actually seeing it, even if it's in front of them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she's doing to her own kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be you know, that would be a juicy novel. I would read that. That was that was a great episode about all the all the mother daughter drama, and then oh, and I'm like I'm not sorry, don't like hijack your answer, but it's like that that whole scene, and then when it builds into with gingerbread, where Joyce goes like full Kool Aid, um, uh-huh. yeah, you know, hypnotized by the demon, and she's standing up and she starts talking about slayers in front of god and everybody and it's this moment where she's and you're like mom stop putting all the secrets on blast (laughs) (laughs) but it's like to go from to go from refusing to see it to suddenly she's she's just gonna expose everything i just i I don't know i loved it i love the i love the dynamic between buffy and joyce i have a, a picture of the that final scene in one of my Buffy trading cards that's on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I use, I have all my old Buffy trading cards. I I used one as a bookmark while reading Slayer. It was oh, Wait, I can tell you which it. one. It's a weird You know how they used to do like the shiny ones where they're like I I don't even know what you yeah. call it. Like I have uh-huh. the old ones. But it's like, like the holographic ones? Yeah, it's like season oh. f- the season 5 group shot. That was what I used as my bookmark for Slayer. Oh. Not to like too much into this, but like my mom, my mom's, I love my mom. She's great. She's weird. She also stands all of your writing. I give her, she likes YA. So cute. And uh, so she's read all, like all three of y'all's books. Um, But she oh. was, she always would be like, I don't like that Joyce. She's too oblivious. But like my mother would absolutely be that mother. <laughs> <laughs> like even now she goes back to whenever we talk about Buffy, she's like, but that mother, I didn't like her. I didn't like that mother. <laughs> But, like, also, my mom read Slayer, and my mom said, why didn't they all like Buffy? I was like, Mom, you watched the show. The Watchers didn't like Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I think I would choose the Anya episode, where you get all of Anya's backstory. Ooh, Um, great episode. Just because I love her so much, and I loved... Like, I felt like that was one of their great... Like, it it was like the the Zeppo episode early on for Xander. Right. Um where you see him running around and like, I love the way they framed that one where the angel and Buffy story is just like on the fringes and they're preventing an apocalypse, but it's just like on the fringes, (laughs) whatever, as Xander's dealing with everything and like going from scene to scene. Um, Like I love those character deep dive episodes and I think it would be really fun to write a character deep dive novel for Anya. She is my favorite side character. She's great. She is great. Yeah, and that episode, that that definitely did her justice. And it, and yeah. it, it gave Emma Caulfield a, a vehicle to really just do what she does. And I loved mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So my answer, this is like, I feel like this is the lamest answer considering the name of my podcast. But I think the episode I would write would be Homecoming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just cause, no, uh, that's not lame. That would be such a fun episode to right. write. Like, I feel like, and like reading that episode would be fun. It would, like, I feel like the structure of it would work for a novel because like Mm -hmm. you have the characters, but there's a reason they're not all there. Right. Like Cordelia and Buffy are the main focus and there's a good reason why, you know, Willow Giles and Xander are like her main group, but they're not there. And it like makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I think that for me, so so Hush is my absolute favorite episode. Ooh, but whoa, whoa, whoa. but for me, I don't know if I could write a book where sixty percent of it had no dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> that would be like, <laughs> that would drive me nuts. So so for my plus, personal... then you'd have to then you'd have to Listen. then you'd have to write Riley as attractive too. Which could you do that? Uh, there's some somebody out, some writer out there who's like, yes, exposition. My time has come. Yeah, that's oh, true. No. <laughs> I, but okay, so so here's what I here's I would pick I would. I would, for my personal style, knowing what, what, what I like, how I like to write, and the kind of stories that I like to write, I would pick either Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, where Xander accidentally puts the love whammy on everybody except Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Or I would write Tabula Rasa, where they all lose their memories. That is one of my all-time favorite episodes. Because it's I such love a that great one so episode. much. I love the dynamic. I love the Xander Cordelia dynamic from season two. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I love Tabula Rasa because it was this, there's all this like fraught friendship stuff. And then it's just wiped out. And it's all these characters trying to figure out who they are. And then Michelle yeah. Branch plays at the end and I cry. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten, what are your thoughts? Uh, what would, what are your thoughts on the new possible show? Mm-hmm. And if it were a continuation, cause we're still right. We're still like not quite clear on that. Yeah. Um, would you want to see Nina or any of your other characters, a la Angel season five, and they had like, you know, random Buffy characters, not Buffy herself on the show. Would you want to see, how would you picture them being on a show like that? Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about the potential for a new series. I definitely do want it to be um, a continuation rather than a reboot because Buffy is Buffy and like I'm very attached to Buffy Um, and I and I want to see a new Slayer like I want to see I'm really excited about the showrunner I think that she could she could do something really interesting because one of the things that um, that writing Slayer I was like you know I would love to see like an inner city Slayer or a Slayer from another culture but I am not the person to write that I mean I grew up in Utah let's be real <laughs> I, I now live in Southern California in the suburbs um, I'm not I'm not gonna be able to write those authentically um, or write about the experience of being um, you know a woman of color and a Slayer or some or something because you mm. know that would come and, but I think that those are so ripe for um, if Buffy was about you know the whole um, high school is hell. It was built on that sort of like metaphor of high school is hell. Like I would love to see the way that they could explore it, um, those issues with the with the genre, with the supernatural elements. Um, but so that being said, like I I am I'm potentially very excited about it. Um, I I'm anxious to hear more information about it. I don't have any information, <laughs> so um, like I was just as surprised as everybody else when I found out at Comic Con. Um, oh boy. But it would be really fun. I feel like um, I feel like first and foremost, they're going to have to ignore the comic book canon. Like they're just going to have to. It's so. they're just going to have to completely ignore it. Yeah, it's too complicated, and it makes the world too big and too messy. Um, so I feel like they would have to ignore that. Um, I would love to see Buffy come in as like sort of a, a watcher role. I think that would be amazing. She I doubt be they could. Like yeah. Obi Wan. She yes. can. Yes. Like, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, if Sarah Michelle Gellar were willing to do it, I think it would be amazing. Okay, wait, um, so have you read, um, I can't remember if it was season eight or not, the Billy mini arc, Billy the Vampire yes, Slayer? Yes, I love the so Billy arc. I love yes. that because, of course, it's like, <gasps> a like, younger yeah. queer boy gets to be, and like, for me, that's, <laughs> that's how I always picture if this is a continuation, Buffy coming in, right? She comes in at the end, helps him. Yeah. Like at the very end, and then she's like, "Welcome to the fold." Like yeah. that would be the end of the first season it's kind of, of like the show. The passing of the stake. Yeah. Here's Mister Pointy. Um, yeah, and I would love cool. that. Um, if if any of my characters were to come into it, like I would love. Like I think it'd be really fun to see Nina, but I think it would have to be. I I think what I would like to see, and what I would have wanted to do with Slayer, if I didn't have to keep it canon, but I did keep it canon because that was important to me. But if I hadn't had to keep it canon, I would have had the Watcher Society as still fully functioning and running and at its height because I feel like that's such an interesting dynamic and it plays so well against, you know, because being a slayer is all about instinct and about reacting and about dealing with situations as they come up and being a watcher is all about like structure and rules and research. And so I think it would be fun if, um, you know, if in the television series, if, if Nina were uh, sometimes occurring character where she is a slayer, but she was also raised as a watcher. So she would come in with that whole, like, you know, kind of a Wesley Winton Price dynamic, not obviously the same dynamic, but yeah. like, 
um, just a very sort of different style and a different worldview and a different mindset, but then had to work with um, whoever, whoever the main slayer is. I think that would be really fun to see. Um, I would also, so speaking of, speaking of things that we would love to see, um, (laughs) I would love to write like a watcher novel that takes place at the height of the watchers. Like just because I feel like it could be the most amazing, like boarding school, um, vicious cutthroat competition, um, I think it'd be super fun, but yeah. So I feel yeah. like I feel like with the series, they're gonna have to ignore the graphic novels. Um, but I'm excited about it. Like I'm excited. I think um, I think it could be really good. And like I have a 14 year old daughter now, and I would love to have a Slayer for her to grow up with. Like obviously yeah. she's gonna grow up with Buffy as well <laughs> because I am right. a good mother. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not neglecting my parental duties. Um, like interested a, about nerd parents and it's like what happens when your child doesn't like the thing that you love <laughs> my kids won't read harry potter <laughs> really <laughs> yeah they full-on won't read it to yeah. be to be fair both things my mother tried to get me into were harry potter and buffy and i was like very no at first to both and then now look at me so yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> my parents raised us my dad read us nancy drew when i was a kid they totally got me into their their all their all the stuff that they thought were were cool you know like way way back and like the bronze whenever it was that they were teenagers (laughs) all that stuff like i and my brother my brother definitely like my nephew's five and he very much is into star wars and like knows i don't think he's I mean, right, he probably hasn't watched a full movie, um, but no. he, like, knows what the characters are, at least. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think yeah. Star Wars is the one thing that we have generationally in my family, from my uncles to my mom to me. Um, but for me, it's, like, Buffy. I, I, I'm trying to introduce Buffy to some friends who have never seen it before, and it's difficult because it's, like, ignore the clothes, just feel it in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Just feel it in your heart. When you have to, you kind of have to get past the first season too. Yes. Yeah. Like my yeah. husband, yeah. my husband did not want to watch Buffy. Um, this was back when we, let's see, this would have been, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years ago. And uh, I would rent the DVDs from the library. Well. That's how poor we were. And like, I would watch them in the evening, but he, you know, we lived in a small apartment. He couldn't get away from it. And so he would kind of like be <laughs> reading. And then eventually, like, I think once it was a little bit past season one, he would sit down and watch them with me. And like, when are we going to watch the next one? Because it's one of those things that once you get people to watch it, yes, it yeah. is such amazing storytelling. And it's the stories are so compelling and the humor is so good and the characters are so good that they're going to, they're going to watch it. I'm yeah. actually really excited because I finally decided because I have been holding off on showing Buffy to my children because um, my two older kids are 14 and 12. And I feel like the 14 year old is old enough for it. And the 12 year old is not quite, mm. but then I was like, Oh, if I only show them through the end of season five, like I feel like, okay. I yeah. feel like if I hold off on season six, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's acceptable. But yeah. oh, okay, you guys, this is really clever. Cool. So I have a five-year-old. He always asks, "Mom, are you watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer?" <laughs> and uh, he, I got a, I got a. So speaking of non-canon things, there's a picture book. Yes, um, it's so precious, isn't it? It is adorable. <laughs> it is so adorable, and he has had me read that to him so many times. Because mm, like, there's this big reveal at the end that all the monsters are hiding in Buffy's closet because they're scared, and so then they all come out and have a slumber party together, and it is adorable. And he loves it so much. Um, so yeah, I am like, I'm doing a good job of indoctrinating my kids. But like, how do we <laughs> feel about non-canon things? Because you've got that picture book, which is a picture book, but there's right. also a middle grade graphic novel that imagines Buffy in middle school as a slayer which we all know she didn't know she was a slayer then because she wasn't a slayer yet and she yeah. has like a female watcher and different friends and like, i'm gonna be really honest i'm sure it's adorable i will read it but when it was announced i was like i worked my butt off to stay in canon <laughs> and then they're like well now buffy's a slayer in junior high and i'm like no she was not <laughs> i worked I... so hard <laughs> so it changes the stakes as to what Buffy is about yeah. as a, as a, yeah. a preteen versus a teen teen. Um, yeah. And that's just really interesting and weird. I Okay. And, and boom comics just, they're starting a new Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic series, but it's in high school 
in 2018. So they're kind of, they're doing a reboot. And I was very resistant to it. But then I saw the character sketch for Robin Wood and I was like, "Mm, no. Oh my! <laughs> not as resistant to it. He is so hot in the comics. Um, and he's the one character where I was like, they did not use him well. Yeah. Because he was so pretty. He was so pretty. I just wanted them to use him better. And like, I feel like his backstory is so interesting with his mother being a slayer. Um, so that might, you know, Robin Wood might be the thing that gets me to the Boom comics. Where I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I I do I'll love bite. those designs. I think the, the designs art, are great. Yeah, it's yeah. like really good, and it is a really like, I don't know, if someone were like, Ian, do you want like an art print of the Buffy characters stylized for 2018? I'd be like, yeah, sure, that's awesome. Like that's the art I would want. But I don't know that like I'm just like, so I don't know, Zoraida, you write in the Star Wars universe, so I feel like this is probably a thing right like it's hard for me to be like but why should i put the effort in if it's not really the character like if it's not really them like you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and like the star wars novels are all canon right the star wars novels are canon yeah but i have a short story i have a short story in the uh star wars from a certain point of view anthology which they were like you can or ca- you can do canon or you can not do canon oh, really? and i was like what the specific characters that I had were um, two sisters because obviously that's who I chose. Um, <laughs> I I did every single piece of research that I could. So I'm like, these girls have 30 seconds in A New Hope. I'm going to I'm going to give them the story that they deserved. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, wait, Zoraida, is it I- the twins in the cantina? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I used to be, like, the biggest Star Wars nerd. <laughs> Wait, Ian, you were nerdy about something? What? I know. It's I know it's so hard to believe. Like, I had mono in fifth grade, and all I did was watch oh. the original trilogy on VHS over and over and over again. Oh. oh. I watched the original trilogy on VHS, too. But it's just because yeah. I was, like, had no friends. <laughs> so, like, I have trouble... Right with that. Like, I don't begrudge any of new stuff, but I have trouble being like, uh, like the comics definitely kept me going because I was like, but this is canon. So, of course, mm-hmm. I want to see what my beloved Buffy, that is my Buffy, is up to, which yeah. isn't, wasn't always, you know, like we said, the comics had very ups and very downs. So, it wasn't always the best reasoning, but it kept me going. So, then I have trouble wanting to attach to this because I'm like, well, it looks like Sarah Michelle Geller, but that doesn't make it Buffy, you know? Right. Yeah. But I get why they're doing it, too, because I feel like it, she's such a strong character and it's such a strong setup and world. Like, of course, you want to tell new stories with it, which is, you know, where Slayer came from, like wanting new right. stories in the Buffyverse. And so, like, I totally I totally get it. And like, um, but yeah, it is it is kind of one of those things where you're like, does it. And I think this is with everything. Like, this is with the new Star Wars movies. Like, if you don't like the new Star Wars movies, does that take away from your experience of connecting right. with and loving the old ones? Right. And for some people, it might. Like, yeah. I just feel like, I feel like more is more. And if you love a character and you love a world, if you find one of these, like, offshoots and it doesn't do it for you, that's all right. Like, you don't have to participate in that. Except for Slayer, you do all have to read Slayer <laughs> and love it. But any of the other things that was a good save. to take or leave <laughs> as you I will. That, I think that with Buffy, because it's not a world that is, comp- like, the only thing about its magic that is consistent is, like, except for at the end of season seven, is to each generation a Slayer is born. And, like, this is, like, the one thing that's always going to continue. Everything yeah. else is just like, like magic. Uh, whatever happens, happens. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I show up and the party starts. Um, <laughs> and and so I feel like because of that, the because of because the world isn't as grounded uh, in its ma- it's a, like m- magical canon that Buffy has to stay um, immediate to the original characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the new show, what I hope is to see a tie to that, but mm-hmm. have them figure out a way to elevate it in a way that, because I, I really do think like when I, when I opened up your book and just, and read that paragraph, like to each generation, I was like, 
I got so emotional and I wanted to cry. <laughs> um, and I never <laughs> cry when I read books, really. So I, I, I think it's really special. And I'm really happy that you wrote it. Yeah, Thank Kirsten, you. Kirsten, every, um, and I'm sure I can't, every dream that she has, I was like, <laughs> but I right? love them all so much. Right? <laughs> no, but that's, I was like, I, that makes us so much pain. Why can't you just be happy? <laughs> but I, just, I just wanted to say, I love the use of the dreams. So I actually, so as I was thinking, like, what are the powers that slayers have? And one of the things that Buffy does is she has dreams about other slayers. Like, she has dreams about other slayers' experiences, um, and, like, in the past. But then she also, yeah. once there are new potential, she dreams about them in danger, too, right? And so I was like, well, okay, if all these slayers are slayers now... And everybody has this power to have this sort of prophetic dream that connects them to the original Slayer. Wouldn't it also connect them to each other? And so that was the one thing that um, hadn't been explored as far as Slayer powers. But I felt very confident saying this is a thing that exists now because it makes sense within, yeah. you know, within the bounds of the Slayer powers. That if the Slayer dream connects them to the original Slayer and connects them through the Slayer line and they're all dreaming at the same time, then yeah. They would run into each other. And so that was the way that I was able to bring other Slayers in and kind of bring in those connections. And those were honestly my favorite scenes to write. Like, I loved writing those scenes. I I, I knew you did. Like, of course you did, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love them because I, I know that everyone isn't the biggest fan of season seven, but I really liked the idea of that connection that they built up mm -hmm. even more um, in season seven. And I, I liked seeing those Slayer girls. I mean, of course, I didn't like it, it just them getting murdered, but like... I liked that idea. I was like, this is really cool. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, we I knew we knew before that that dreams were a thing, but they didn't quite. And I mean, you were the one that more solidified it. They didn't quite explain it. But mm -hmm. I loved that notion. And seeing that, I thought was such a cool idea that they didn't really they just kind of dropped it. What, like four episodes into the season? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you guys read uh, Faye? The the future slayer? Frey? Oh, yeah. Frey. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Frey, Frey, Frey. Um, that's where the dream stuff gets brought up more than in the actual series. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really like Frey. I think that's like one of the best Buffy comics. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 They they bring her back, I think, in the, the last volume that I own, which I haven't read yet. They like... Well, then I did it. read it because I remember seeing... I. Well, I she's in it twice. Books. She's in it twice. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Because I remember seeing her the first time then. Yeah. So, Kirsten, did you want to talk about... So, we do have a special cameo in one of the dreams, and you got to write a chapter about her for a Barnes & Noble edition of Slayer. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. So, in one of the dreams, um, Nina runs into a Slayer who helps her, and Slayer never gives her name, but she does utter a phrase that we're very familiar with. And She's I cried. by five. Um, <laughs> and I cried. And then, so, Barnes & Noble wanted a special edition of Slayer, and they wanted bonus material. And so, my editor was like, you could write a chapter from the love interest point of view, or you could write, like, a deleted scene. And I was like, can I write Faith? I was like, I don't care about the love interest. Can I write Faith? Um, I was like... Can, yeah. I, can I write Faith? Can I write Faith? I really want to write Faith's point of view. I think that I could do it in a way that makes sense, that adds to the book in an intriguing way, but that also isn't going to like add plot or whatever so that people are confused when they read book two if they didn't get the exclusion, the Barnes Noble edition. Right. Um, and she was like, yeah, you can write Faith. And then I was like, oh no, what have I done? I can't write Faith. <laughs> She's so great. Um, but it was really, really fun. So since I did establish that, you know, um, Slayers have these dreams and they connect with each other. And we've seen that in the series. Like we see yeah. Buffy and Faith having those conversations when Faith is in a coma. Um, so I have, I have this sequence that I got to write a dream sequence from Faith's point of view. And I got to write a conversation between Faith and Buffy, which was like, which was like an out of body experience. <laughs> I'm like, and now they're talking. Kirsten, like, it was, as it was like so gay as I am, I was like gasping at how beautiful faith is like i could picture her perfectly when you described yeah. like this beautiful mm -hmm. brunette and i was like oh, yeah. my yes. angel like <laughs> i know she's so beautiful she's so beautiful and like it was so much fun to write from her point of view my editor was like you should be writing faith comics and i was like tell them to call me you're like yes I um, <laughs> <laughs> but because faith is so broken but she's also yes. so strong and like yeah. And I love that about her. Um, I really wish that they had been able to do the Faith spinoff series that they pitched. Yeah. Um, just because yeah. she's such a fascinating character. And, like, um, 
Anyway, yeah. So so the Barnes & Noble edition has a bonus dream sequence from Faith's point of view that I loved writing. Um, yeah. Um, I think we've come full circle. Like, I just really feel like everybody should watch Buffy, but everybody who's listening to this podcast already does. <laughs> they were like, make some promo videos. Two minutes of why you love Buffy. And I'm like, two minutes? Can I have two hours? Um, You're like, how many times have I been on Slayer Fest? I got that many hours. <laughs> like, yeah, here, let me just give you some footage. Yeah, so anyway, thanks so much for hanging out and talking Buffy and talking Slayer and for reading it and for being my friends. You guys are wonderful. I love having <laughs> such nerdy friends. Thanks for writing it, Kirsten. Everyone can pick up Slayer at their local bookstore and they can get a special exclusive copy at Barnes and Noble with a faith chapter. And if you like our podcast, you can rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. And you can follow me on Twitter at IanXCarlos. Kirsten, where can everyone find you on the internet? You can find me at www.kirstenwhite.com or on Twitter at, at Kirsten White. Zoraida, where can everyone find you? I am at Z like in Zorro, the phrase, um, on Twitter and Zoraida Solo on Instagram. And that's usually where I camp out. Kayla, where can everyone find you? On the Twitter machine, you can find me at um, MyKaylaBreg, M-I-K-A-L-E-B-R-O-E-H-R-I-G. And... <laughs> Sorry. Such a mouthful. And then, <laughs> I know. And then on Instagram, it's just at Caleb Rarig. So right. if you can figure out how to spell my name, then you're, you're in. <laughs> I need to stalk our Twitter to find it. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Thank, every, thank you to everyone for listening. And yeah, we'll see you all next time. Bye.